Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Interview feedback. Don't underestimate the power of giving and receiving feedback in the interview process. Feedback helps your company improve the hiring process and it provides positive candidate experience for the interviewee. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. Any idea who said that, Aaron? Uh, I'm going to pretend I don't have notes in front of me. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That was Ken Blanchard. He is the author of uh, the One Minute Manager books. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to disrupt recruiting. We share insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts and provide proven tactical solutions to solve your company's difficult hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Aaron Wilson. Aaron is the co-founder and talent engineer of Hirepool, Inc. Aaron has personally interviewed more than 10,000 job seekers and has helped uh, build a community or a company that exited for $640 million and just released a consumer interview preparation software product, Hirepool.io, which is being used by job seekers around the world. Aaron, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, thanks for having me again, Rick. I really appreciate it always. Hey, I love to have you on because we have such great, uh, we give good interview. (laughs) (laughs) We we give good interview. I agree. Yeah, there we go. So today we're going to cover a few things. We're talking about the whys of interview feedback, why it's important to have it, giving and receiving feedback, and then provide some tools to create feedback channels for your interview process. So first off, we need to start with having an interview process, right? Yeah, it's hard to give feedback based on something that doesn't exist. (laughs) Very, very true. You know, even if you don't have an interview, like a formalized interview process, giving feedback still is something that can help you improve, especially if you get feedback and people tell you, well, your interview process is terrible. Yeah, you know, Rick, 360 feedback, as I would call it, is uh, oftentimes overlooked or certainly always undervalued. Ask the job seekers, how their experience was going through your interview process, and you will learn. I promise that. Oh, yeah. If you don't learn, you can always look on Glassdoor and find out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose one way or another, you will learn. That's that's the end goal. All right. So let's talk about feedback challenges because, you know, there's, it seems to me that um, you either have it, you don't have it, or you're afraid to give it, right? That's right. Yeah, I think you know, in my experience, having having had the opportunity to work internally with companies and then, you know, spend so much time with job seekers, the consensus that meaningful feedback is non-existent. But when you drill into why that's happening or why it's not coming through, yeah, you nailed it. I think it boils down to, to a few points, uh, which, which I'm sure we'll dive into, but, but yeah. I'll just quickly repeat, you know. We're going to dive into it right now. Yeah, well, the first, you know, number one reason, probably most common, which, which we can rest on for a bit, is just the lack of structured interviewing. Yep. Most companies don't practice meaningful interview, right? They don't plan it in advance. Uh, and I think that that's the most common, common reason. Uh, but I'm, you, you see that on your side as well. Oh, I see it all the time. And this is a battle that I fight on, on my end when I work with my clients, is getting them to a structured interview process is, is tough sometimes. Yeah. What do you, when you say structured interview to your clients, Rick, what do you, what does that mean to them? Well, what are we, what are we saying when we say structured interviewing? I, I feel like that's one of those buzzwords that's out there right now, but maybe doesn't have a shared understanding. 
So for me, it's it's actually having a process that's clearly defined with feedback channels set in everything from how the candidate is engaged to how once you get somebody in for the interview, how that process goes. I run a structure where I have each interview is timed and the interviewer is assigned a specific set of questions to ask. And then there's somebody usually there who is making sure that we're sticking with time and gathering feedback in between the interviews. Ah, feedback from the candidate or yep. from the hiring team? Both. Or from the candidate? Yeah. Both. Yeah. Ah, I love it. And you facilitate that feedback mm-hmm. uh, like midstream or is that, does it go towards notes at the end of the day? In real time. It's always easier to get that information, you know, as it happens much quicker. Yeah. And then we also structure it to where we build in what we call knockout questions. And candidates are prepped for this. So if somebody doesn't really meet the criteria that's core to the company values, then we just end the interview. And, you know, it's usually an agreement. So that's where I kind of like to see real-time feedback. Yeah, I would agree that in well-structured interviewing, if you come to the conclusion it's not a good use of uh, everyone's time, that it is an agreement. Yeah. And... I guess one, yeah, so I totally agree with you on, on what we're saying here. I think um, the big pieces we see when it comes to structured interviewing are just making sure that, yes, you have a thoughtful process, but two, that you really thought about, you know, who who is the panel? You know, who are the people that will be at, asking or administering these interviews, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, which is more important than just who's available right now, right? And then probably the part that most, the most of the companies are missing, which is, actual competencies, right? Or what is the plan in that meeting between you and the candidate? Yeah. What are you going in there to talk about? How are we measuring success? And if it doesn't measure, how do we give that feedback like you said? And we uh, talk about so this yeah. all the time on the show where, you know, you don't want to have the four different interviews going, interviewers going in and asking the same person five different and the same question four different times. That's right. Not only yeah. not only a poor can experience, but also how do you measure anything on the back end of that? Especially when you're getting the same answer five times. So most companies don't have structured interviewing, but not all of them. Some people have structured interviewing. Some do. And you know what's interesting? Years ago, I went through an Amazon interview, and they tell you up front that they do not provide interview feedback. They just give you a yes or no. And it's due to whatever their legal team kind of says that they can give. I get it. And I guess if you're prepping people for it up front, then it works. But still, it's always helpful to get something. Some sort of closure. If you're breaking up with me, you should at least tell me why. Yeah. Well, and the way I put it is the return on their investment. You know, yeah. you're building a brand as an employer, and each each job candidate is uh, no different than a consumer of your product, uh, right? And that's exactly you spot leave on. As many good impressions as you can. Yeah, and you want to leave them in a better position so that even if they don't take the job with you or they don't get the job with you, let them do well somewhere else. Yeah, I was just thinking about the Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool they tell you up front. That feels much better, I'm sure, than them telling you at the end of the process after you've invested all your time. But, uh, but yeah, I, I still, I gotta, I have to be honest. It's a bit alarming how many, how many companies don't give feedback. I think you had touched on this as maybe the second reason people aren't getting feedback. But you know, are they afraid? And they're afraid to be honest. And you know, I, this is something that really fascinates me. Companies out there telling people, hey. I, I'm not confident in my ability to give you feedback. Is that what they're saying? Is there a lack of confidence? You know, I found a case study in doing research and said that 70% of companies do not provide any unselected job applicants with any sort of feedback. They just say, no, thanks. 
And the big thing, I think it has to do with the legal department. Nobody wants to get sued, especially in the state of California, right? Discrimination lawsuits. So you have this kind of legality issue that if you don't say anything, you can't get sued. But if you do say the wrong thing, or if it gets misconstrued, then you can. Yeah, I guess they're choosing, in their opinion, the lesser, the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah. At least from my point of view, if you're not sharing feedback, that's also egg on your face. You know, what does that say about the organization, your ability to execute, to gather information? Um, but I guess what what a job seeker thinks about you is less dangerous than a lawsuit. Is their thinking, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. You know, and I think this can be totally avoided by setting up the process to where you get past a lot of this in the screening process prior to bringing somebody in for an interview. So if we do a better job screening, then you have a situation where once you bring somebody on site, you'll be able to gauge whether or not they can handle the feedback. You know, there's a certain level of EQ that somebody has to have too in order for them to be able to to receive the feedback in a constructive manner. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I think uh, it's very rare for people to give feedback in in a first-round phone interview, right? Usually recruiters are in there like, hey, you're good, I'm going to put you forward. But I think it's a great place to experiment, to your point, Rick. Hey, uh, candidate, I loved this call. It went really well. You know, here's uh, one concern I have the next interview and, uh, you know, keep that in mind. And you get a pretty quick read uh, right off the bat how they're going to receive feedback. Yeah. Uh, If they get really defensive or angry about it, that's probably not somebody that you can provide feedback to. I don't know if I buy the really quickly before we let the companies off the hook here. I don't know if I buy I don't know if I buy the legal the legal play here. I mean, uh, having given so much feedback. Uh, to candidates, if you give them real feedback and you know what you can and can't talk about, which I know we'll get to, it feels like a scapegoat. It feels like a scapegoat for companies to not put in the time or effort it takes to get feedback to people. But that's just one candidate advocate's point of view. So I'm a company advocate. You're a candidate advocate. The fact of the matter is, I think people are just scared if they say something. Yeah. But once you get to a size where you're like Amazon size, right? You've got a full legal department that's telling you don't do it. Don't say anything. And you have to kind of comply with that. Well, it's certainly an education piece. I think you're right. We got a lot of work to do there. Yeah, certainly. But, you know, coaching companies to be able to give that feedback is key, right? So if you don't have the feedback, go get it. If you have it, but you're not sure how to deliver it, that's what we're going to talk about in, in a minute. But you have to make a constant flow of feedback throughout the interview process. Gaining feedback is just as important as giving feedback, right? So one of the things that I teach my companies to do, and actually I teach candidates to ask this question too, and you may hate it, but I love it. If you want to get feedback in real time, ask the question, is there any reason why you would not hire me for this role as a candidate? Or is there any reason why if we extend an offer, you wouldn't accept an offer with our company? It's bold, but it also gets out what exactly that person's concerns might be at the time. And then at least you have the ability to address those concerns. I do think it makes for good conversation. You know, I'll go back and forth with you on this a little bit. And I I think there's an opportunity there to get feedback. You know, the questions are what you and I always talk about. It's like asking an interviewer who has a simple job of interviewing you on one topic, why they wouldn't hire you, which is a complex job to me is a little, is a landmine. Um, but, really? I, but I do agree with you. You're going to get, yeah, I, th- I think so. But I, but, but bold I, uh, is a good word. You use the word bold and I dig that. What if we took it away from me personally though? What if it was like, Hey, why wouldn't you hire someone for this role? 
or why would you, what, what would you love to see for, for someone you hired in this role and take away the per- personal side. But I think what you're saying, which, which helps me is like, you're helping facilitate, facilitate that feedback. Yeah. You know? And that, and that's, yeah. that's so important. And so what I might ask is just a slightly different version of that similar question, which is like, Hey, I really enjoyed my time with you here in this, in this, in this interview. You know, what's one thing I could do differently or better in my next interview? And so as opposed to giving them like the hiring power, um, I would give them the, the incremental job of helping me improve uh, incrementally. But aren't you, aren't you uh, in fact opinion. letting them off the hook then? I mean, because it's directly related to you. And so if you've got the ability to accept some feedback real time, why not take that opportunity? It's a fair question. I just don't know what you can expect from them when you ask that question. I've had candidates ask that question in the past. And what they've gotten is, okay, I'm concerned about your technical ability in and around X, Y, and Z. Or I'm concerned about, you know, one of the campaigns that you ran that, you know, I wasn't really quite clear on the results. And so what ends up happening is then that clarifies it for the interviewer so that they understand what exactly, you know, whatever their questions might have been or they get clarification on it. Sometimes people don't ask because they run out of time. Well, in that example, I value that question. I, I think that, you know, forcing, I, I appreciate forcing the clarification because we know yeah. from our earlier point, most people don't build in real time for Q&A in an no. interview, right? The, the like rapid fire interviewer, okay, time's up. Oh, hey, do you, would, do you have any questions for me? We have like 30 seconds left. I'd be happy to answer them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Well, and similarly, right? If you or I talk to the job seeker after they leave the interview, and we ask them, what questions did the interviewer ask you? It's shocking how often the interviewer didn't ask any technical questions, yet the feedback is they're not technical enough. I've gotten that throughout my career, absolutely, especially on the technical, when I've so placed I have to engineers. I plus one on that, because if you can surface that in the interview, you might have a chance to move the needle as opposed to right having the recruiter go back and do the work for you. Yeah, and, and um, that yeah. ends up, by the way, being a, a total... I don't buy that one. The person's not technical enough is not an acceptable answer. No, not at all. Well, well, and, I, and it goes it goes back to the, the. I'm sure when you have your clients set up interviews, so you can prep your candidates on the front end because you know how you're assessing technical, right? You know, I did want to say before we skip ahead, there, there, there's another reason people aren't getting feedback or we aren't giving it as a company, and we don't have to go too deep into it, Rick. But you know, it's just out of sight, out of mind. Uh, what do you mean? And it's a hard, it's a hard truth about recruiting. But if I'm a job seeker and I'm interviewing at company A, and that job is a high priority for them, and I'm a hot candidate for them, I get all of their attention. Oh, absolutely. The moment they decide they don't want to hire me, I'm no longer of interest to them. So a lot of times, and job seekers feel this, right? You're in process with a company, interviews are going well, you're firing on all cylinders. And then you even walk out of the final interview, the recruiter's like, oh, things seem like they're going great. I'll call you tonight. And then no explanation, you get an email or a follow-up from the system or a recruiter you've never met saying, hey, thanks for coming in. We went a different direction. And by the way, I think that's the worst thing you can do because maybe the timing's not right now, but you're leaving a bad taste in someone's mouth. And later on, you might need that person. That's right. So I just didn't want to skip over that, but if that's happening to you, a lot of times it's just that, right? You're not the priority anymore. You know, how do we, uh, how do we as groups make sure we give back, go back to give back? 
And you know what? That's called ghosting, right? When you ghost people, <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah. And you know, that mystery ghosting is not cool. It's not cool. And that mystery kind of creates distrust and it also leads to those bad glass door reviews, which I love to, well, I love to read every yeah. once in a while while I'm eating popcorn and drinking a beer. <laughs> well, the sad part is, you know, before it becomes entertainment, it's real grief. And That's true. Real stress for, for a job seeker. And I, and you know, and I didn't, when I first heard these stories, I kind of believed them, but then I started hearing them over and over again. And it's like, take any individual who's typically successful and confident and then put them in this, this environment where they go in, meet a bunch of people, expose themselves, become vulnerable, and then never get feedback on what happened. And I kid you not, Rick, like refreshing their email every 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Waiting for a meaningful email to come in to tell them that that time was worth spending or that, that they're not, that they're good or that they're not, you know, and it's crazy, but it's real. I'm totally in agreement with you on this. I think it's silly that you've invested this much time in a person and you don't close the loop. Well, and even to be selfish, not even for the job seeker, right? For yourself, you invested the time. You decided you wanted to do something. You went in to assess a person and their skills and the fit for your organization that you care about. Are we switching sides now? I love this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, so I think I'm a big fan of like, hey, hiring process indicative of organizational behavior. But I would like to work for a company that has makes a habit of taking a little time to reflect on work they've done to make sure going forward, right, we're improving back to process improvement. And so if, if we're not slowing down there, it's a concern. You know, it's a red flag. If you are just joining us on the live stream or the podcast, our guest today is Aaron Wilson. Aaron's the co-founder and talent engineer of HirePool Inc. So we just discussed a little bit about, uh, you know, feedback and why we don't give feedback. And now we're going to talk a little bit more. This leads us into what can't you give as feedback? So let's, let's give somebody a roadmap on what they can't, should or should not say. Because well, oh, let's alleviate that fear for everybody, right? So my thoughts are you can basically talk about their interview preparation. If they didn't prepare for the interview well, you can let them know that you know they didn't do so well on that one. Alignment with the cultural values or the company values is something that you can probably share. Their skills or maybe their problem-solving abilities. Anything that you would add to that? Honestly, I think you nailed uh, the majority of them. You know, cultural values split a few ways. You can certainly talk about these, uh, these or impact on the product or their customer base. I think you can talk about, you know, the, the, you can move the onus internally and talk about the direction of the company Sure, is another way to do it. But yeah, and I think those topics can be very rich with authentic content. We don't need to create a long list there. So when you're talking about cultural and, or company values, what's interesting is the conversation that I have is that I usually have an agreement with the interviewee that they feel it wasn't a cultural fit too a lot of times if if it's set up properly. So it becomes a much easier conversation with most of the people that I've brought through the interview cycle because we both decide, hey, look, it's just not a cultural fit. It's a mutual, okay, well, thank you so much. And then they're grateful that they got that feedback. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
I, I think it's important to both explicitly state them up front. Yeah. You get that. You get that with the Amazons of the world, the Netflix of the world, Google, Groupon uh, has begun doing it recently. Yeah. So I certainly love stating it explicitly and allowing people to opt out, essentially, uh, opt in, opt out. But it also, you know, when you do that, it allows you to share decisions based on those values, which is what you're saying, Rick. But again, that's solid, concrete feedback. You know, we value transparency. We asked you about X. We didn't feel there was a transparent discussion there. Or maybe yeah, the content yeah, was lacking and move on. Yeah, we That's just, right. yeah, right. absolutely. But it's evidence-based feedback and it's something that because of the values you can drive consistently through your org. Boom. You just said something really key there. Evidence-based feedback. Hashtag. What can't you ask? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about problem. that a little bit because it really anything that's discriminatory in nature, right? So, yeah. You know, Rick, are you married? Oh, <laughs> you uh, you Rick, you're too old. I get that a lot. How old are you? Actually, <laughs> uh, how much money do you make right now, Rick? I mean, I feel like these questions—you know—curiosity is good, but uh, yeah, you can't ask any of those. Questions. Anything that was legal in the '70s, you probably don't want to ask now. Anything that was legal five years ago, you probably don't want to ask now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in all seriousness, I think you know—not only are these real questions you can't ask, but I want to sort of come back to the topic of what is your recruiting department doing to help you. You know, these questions need to be documented. They need to be shared. You know, interviewers have to know this stuff. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, you know, building the pipeline, managing the process, Rick, that where is the time for training development? You know, where is the time for documentation? But this is one key area where we should all set aside time to do that. You know what, Aaron? And even if you're a small company and you're just doing the recruiting yourself, this is where I see a lot of smaller companies that can't afford a recruiting department yet or a recruiter. This is where they tend to fall short because they, they kind of say the wrong things or they don't give proper feedback in the right way. And they end up getting themselves into trouble that way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. So my thought was, let's kind of target toward the uh, entrepreneur who started up a company. Let's give them a little bit of process on how to, to give and receive feedback. What do you think? You want to take a stab at that? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is the company giving feedback. Yeah, the the company yeah, giving do. and getting feedback, right? So some sort of process yeah. for them. So I think, you know, the simplest rule when a, any team I work with is one, give feedback based on the competency that you were assigned. So hopefully that's part of the equation. But if not, we'll, we'll assume it's not. You know, when we when I ask people to give distinct feedback, for example, Think in bullet points, not short stories, right? You start to help people simplify the problem. The second thing I would say is uh, try to be balanced. So for every you know positive piece of feedback or negative piece of feedback you have, figure out if there's a counter to it. And, and I'm starting. And I'm trying to get at the point here of like we shouldn't be giving feedback to tell people whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick, we should be thinking about how to deliver feedback as a description of time and place. Yeah, you know, and whether they align or not. That is the first thought. Your turn. You know, it actually, one of the things you mentioned to me when we talked on the phone too was building uh, feedback yeah. time. Do you remember that? Scheduling your interview 10 minutes longer so you can actually get that feedback. Yeah, and you can do that for yourself or with your recruiting team. Yeah. Uh, just build in that extra 10 to 15 minutes so you can sit down, compose your thoughts. And like you mentioned, do it more or less real time. You know, yeah. um, I think so common uh, interviewers they have a packed schedule, they throw in an interview, 
and they tell themselves they're going to sit down at night to write notes down and, and they either, you know, don't do that or they do. But at that point, you've now had an entire day to form new bias based opinions oh, on yeah. your interactions. And so, yes, I think that's, that's interesting. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the call, but I'd come back to the simple concept of you don't have to solve their whole career with your feedback, right? So what is just one thing they could do differently? Like, for example, hey, when I asked you questions, it was really hard uh, to hear hear you the first time I had to ask you to speak up, you know, repeatedly. might be a simple piece of feedback, but just that tweak could improve the entire interview for them in their next interview. So yeah, it could be that they're know, nervous. I mean, it'd be like a home run. All right. So how do we professionally release a person from the process? I mean, first off, I think we both agree, call them. <laughs> Don't send them a text message or a post-it note or an email. Let them know. That's right. Well, so, so trying to do this in scale can be challenging. You know, I, I tend to be really righteous. I'm like, you should deliver the feedback and then never fail. Someone's in the audience like, well, I have 400 candidates to give feedback. How do I do that? Um, Call so I think it's fair to say, right, if you have a candidate who has applied and maybe you've had like a first phone interview, pretty straightforward, give them an opt-in. You know, hey, we had a good chat. I sent an email. Mm-hmm. Hey, we had a great chat. We're not going to move forward. You know, I'm happy to share more about why. Uh, if you're interested, love to jump on a quick call. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, so I'm going to back up just a second. I'm going to disagree with you. I, yeah. I think that if you took the time, five minutes is all it takes really to give people feedback to close it out. Yeah. And so schedule your time better. And the fact is most recruiters these days aren't on the phone as much as they should be. Would you agree? Okay, I agree with that. So I agree with that. You can take you can take your schedule time in to give feedback, like you know, structure out your day so that you know exactly what you're going to be doing. I have to release these four candidates today. I'm going to do it at this time frame. Boom. Okay, so I totally agree. But when you're doing it over time, I want to see that spread favor the candidates you spend more time with. So what do you mean? What I what I have found so right. So what I found is like first round phone interviews get that email saying, "Hey, uh, one, I'll give you feedback." in the first interview if I can. I don't even need to follow up with you. At the end of the first interview on the phone, if you are not passing the interview, I tell you right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. So why can recruiters do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's um, why you do it in real right, time. And, well, right. And then if not, it's like, hey, I'm not going to move forward. A five-minute call. You know, again, not everyone says they want the call. If they do, we jump on it. Easy. Five minutes to your point. Man, your time get off. But the feedback calls for people who go two, three rounds in, you know, especially if you talk to my hiring manager second round or you come on site, you're getting 100%. You're getting a phone call from me. Absolutely. And we're going to do, we're going to exchange notes. I'm not giving you feedback. I'm not just taking feedback. We're, we're both doing that. We're exchanging. And that's what I ask if you're open to doing. And we get in, we exchange those notes. And I think the biggest thing for employers, one of the cool things about fear is like when you give a job seeker honest feedback, you get it in return. It's crazy, yep. but it's real. And there we have the message of the day. I love it. That's perfect way to end the show. So the candidate experience is basically showing that your integrity and transparency in the hiring process creates a better feeling for that person. And, you know, let's just be honest, it decreases the likelihood of a discrimination lawsuit, which is if that's what you're worried about, let it go. Or hire a different lawyer. 
I almost busted out a Disney song there. Aaron, I want to thank you for your time investment today. And uh, man, thanks for coming back and sharing your insight with the Higher Power Radio community. Now, you guys just launched. Give me a quick plug on that and tell uh, everybody how they can find you. Yeah, thanks. Really easy. Go to higherpool.io, H-I-R-E-P-O-O-L dot I-O. We are uh, interview preparation software. It's free. And it's 100% for the job seeker. No secret links to employers, no recruiting database, no jobs advertisement. 100% for you. Awesome. Uh, come check it out. That's fantastic. So I encourage everybody in their listening audience, go check it out. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, your input is welcome and needed to improve the content for you. Join our community at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. And you can always find us by searching Higher Power Radio on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show, or you can follow me on LinkedIn at Rick Gerard. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Lori Torres. Lori's the CEO of Parcel Pending, a company who's uh, crushing it here in Orange County. And we're going to be talking about due diligence in the hiring process. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 